Welcome to the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. We are your hosts. I'm Emily Valentine from Stommy Tactical. And hey, everyone. I'm Amy Robbins from Alexa Athletica. We are Your Average Gun Girls and want to bring you a podcast that mirrors the way we live our lives. We are self-reliant, stylish, and eager to inspire women to feel confident in defending themselves while also staying true to their lifestyle. We'll be talking all things from concealed carry to our favorite lipstick and everything in between. This podcast is intended to support and empower women. We want you to be armed with the right tools and education to be self-reliant and prepared to act in your own self-defense. This episode is brought to you by StommyTactical.com, a lifestyle website sharing concealed carry tips, outfits, and preparedness advice, and Alexo Athletica, the first active carry wear line on the market keeping women safe and stylish. Hey, hey, Amy, I feel that you have jinxed me with these intros of the podcast because now I'm either not sure what to say or I feel ridiculous saying anything other than hey, hey. <laughs> well, it's either that or you. I mean, how you, many other ways uh, can you say hello? I guess I could start it in like a new, start doing it in like a new language. You could start doing it in a new language. I, what languages do you speak? Uh, fluently? Zero. Well, I don't. <laughs> Zero. Other than English. Other than English. Uh, bonjour. Let's see. <laughs> I mean, I'm We could kidding. just start Googling that and make that our new intro. People will be That's like, awesome. what did we just turn into? Yeah, what did we just tune into here? Well, <laughs> what are we listening to? Well, welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another day, <laughs> another podcast. We're excited to be here. Uh, we have a very exciting guest for yes, all of you today. Yes, we do. We and have- we really are hoping that technical difficulties do not prevent us from having the great conversation that we know we want to have with her. Um, I've been having some, so I apologize in advance if it does cut out. But uh, Emily, who do we have with us today? We have Emmy Rose. She's a law enforcement officer in San Diego and currently in her third season of competing on American Ninja Warrior. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great intro. I mean, that is so freaking cool. I mean, I just, I just want to one day like show up on American Ninja Warrior set and just try one of their courses. The salmon ladder. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's gyms you can do that. That's crazy. Yeah, would those be parkour gyms? Is that what you do to try to get ready for American Ninja Warrior? Yeah, um, they have parkour gyms, and then some people have backyard courses. So I have uh, seen like some. Now I don't know how. I wouldn't assume that you're pretty committed to this since this is your third season, but I know that like some of the contestants are so hardcore that they do build like they change their garages, their backyards. They build like all the different mm-hmm. obstacle um, challenges that you see on the show. Yeah, you, it's true. Is your house turning into a mini American Ninja Warrior set? Um, right now, I'm still in the stages of renting. So, <laughs> but w- one day, absolutely, I will totally have obstacles in my backyard. <laughs> nice. That is so cool. And for I just now, think I that is. You're, and then you just build a little moat so that you can practice jumping on things and not falling into the water and climbing up <laughs> ladders. That has got, I I always, well, I always had on my bucket list ever since I was a little kid, this is really going to date me, but there was a show called Double Dare. And then they had the show where, um, it wasn't American Ninja Warrior, they had the aggro crag and they had like all of these gladiator type events for kids. And I always, (laughs) I begged my mom to let me try out Double Dare and for this gladiator show and she never did. And I just really want, I don't, I wouldn't have gone very far in it, but I just think now this is the adult version of those shows that I've always wanted to be on. So I love when I can see people compete in them and- (laughs) And, and do really hey. well. So are you allowed to talk at all? I mean, the, the third season hasn't aired. It's actually airing, what, this summer? Yes, for, to my mm-hmm. understanding. Uh-huh. What can okay, you tell okay, us? Awesome. Anything? <laughs> um, I can tell you that it definitely is going to be something to watch. It definitely, yes. <laughs> You're definitely going to want to turn Are they bringing out new courses? <laughs> yes. Are they bringing it out? It was challenging. It was raining. It was 
it was, uh, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of obstacles oh. besides just what you see on TV. So, I mean, all I can say is I'm definitely, uh, happy. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's very it good. Was, was, well, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm assuming you didn't just show up and decide to compete in this competition. So, I mean, what are you doing to physically prepare for this show? Oh man. I mean, so a lot of cross training. So, um, I rock climb, snowboard, do sprints, plyometrics, yoga, Pilates. Oh my gosh. Um, I, when I'm training for the show, I do two a days for sure. Whoa. And I eat a low carb diet. Um, higher in fat protein and you, you got to have your all your ducks in a row how long, are you seriously, doing, how long are you doing two a days leading up to the show well it depends on how much notification they give you which it depends every year so some people get a month notice some people get like a week's notice what? some people get a day's note yeah because i mean people cancel people flake and they have to fill in the spots you know Right. So is there uh, a tryout process? You submit a video and I had gotten like a, I think a two weeks notice, maybe a month notice max. I don't remember. But, um, I, so that's when it's like time to buckle down and, uh, you really keep the training. Cause the reality is like when you're doing those finger holds and you're holding all your body weight up on your fingers, uh, every pound matters. So even you can feel the difference between like three pounds and how long you can hold on your fingers like that. It really makes a difference when, yeah, I swear. So it's, it's something, it's all those things in one and also like getting your mind right. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, Mm -hmm. Meditation, prayer. I feel like like with, Mm -hmm. with that being such short notice, you really, I guess since you have to submit an uh, a video or or an audition tape or whatever it's called, you kind of already need to be like on the road to like having like decent physical fitness before you say I'm going going to join. Oh yes, definitely. I, I would mean, need this- to be training like for the next like three years or something. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm like, you, it's not yeah. like you just showed up and had no background in this. I mean, you were a gymnast right. since you were a little kid, right? I mean, tell us right. how that helped you prepare in, in many ways for this competition. Oh, it's, it's everything. Cause it's, it's so, um, it's discipline, it's, uh, mental toughness. It's learning to leave your problems at the door when you go train and that's all that you can do. I didn't have the easiest childhood. So when I would go to the gym, it was just my way of letting go and just, I would just focus on my training. And I think that's a lot of competitors that I've met on the show have that fire in them. It's, it's a uh, it's exercise for me has always been an escape and it's always been like a meditative type. I, I don't know. I guess you could say almost like spiritual experience, but it's, it's so um, confidence building and, just healing exercise for I mean, some reason that, right. yeah. So gymnastics has always been that for me. And, uh, I know a lot of other athletes, their sport was like that for them too, that are compete on American Ninja Warrior. So I would just go to the gym and I drop everything at the door and I would just train. And, uh, when I left the gym, I felt so much better, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of, like mentality and drive is, is, and mindset is, is something that like, I think is important in all aspects of our lives in order to just kind of push us forward and, and help us get like from point A to point B sometimes. And even like we talk about just, just in general, like with, you know, living a self-reliant lifestyle and, and just kind of entertaining that ideal, it's, it all starts with the mindset and trying to right you know, kind of have that in check and being able to control and kind of talk to yourself as to what it is you want to do. And it all, right. that, that all kind of comes together. It's so true. Like if that saying, if you say you can and you say, or you say you can't, both are right. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to like, everyone struggles with doubting themselves or moments like that. And you have to just, it's natural to have those thoughts, but what you have to do is just capture them and throw them out and be like, no, right. <laughs> that's, that's not, not today, you know? And so that's, it's, it's a game in your mind constantly. And 
for me, it's like, how quickly can I capture the thought, the negative thought, throw it out till it almost doesn't even affect you anymore. It's, it's a practice. So I just encourage people to not get discouraged with that, whether they're trying to lose five pounds for a wedding or, you know, train for American Ninja Warrior, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. It's the same exact mindset mm-hmm. that you need to harness. Yeah. Well, when you're not out doing finger holds and backflips and, <laughs> and, and moat crossings and all of that awesome stuff you do on this show, what are you doing in your everyday life? Uh, so, I mean, I, I train, that's a big part of my life exercise. I, uh, commute on a motorcycle. So I like riding motorcycles and, uh, I do a lot of mission work awesome. with, a, with some local churches. Nice. So that's that's a lot of fun. And it's definitely awesome to be able to give back to the community like that. Because in law enforcement, I mean, I definitely went into the field to help people because I really care about people. But the reality is a lot of the people that you deal with might not want you to be there <laughs> at that time in their life, you know? So right it's cool to be able to do other type of things like building houses for people that need them or, you know, other things that are more, um, maybe the people are more accepting of your help. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Versus like being called upon to forcibly. Are people ever shocked when you know, they, they see police lights coming down the road or they're getting pulled over on the side of the road and then you you pull up. I mean, because you don't really look, I mean, it, you guys can't see it right now. We're not, this is not a video podcast, but I don't ever see cops come to my window that look like you. <laughs> it would throw me uh, off a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I've gotten it before, but I it's weird because you live in your own body, right? So you don't really... <laughs> You're like, this is me. Like, right, I don't really right. know what. I guess, I guess you could say that I'm definitely, I never try to not be me. Maybe there's a time where I'm more, obviously there's times where you're more serious. You might not bring your personality as much or smile as much, laugh as much, but that's like work mode. But I mm-hmm. think like pretty much I keep my personality pretty much the same. I treat everyone with respect. And you know, when there's a time to get serious, there's a time to get serious and it's safety is everything, you know, but yeah, I, I definitely have gotten some jokes or whatever, but I got thick skin. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's awesome. Well, you know, I I've, I recently found out about you. One of, We've got a, a, all of us have a mutual friend within the gun industry who dropped a line to all of us and let us know, you know, you're at this point in your career where you've decided to shift gears just a little bit and maybe start opening up a little bit more about your life and kind of what direction you want to go, especially when it comes to firearms. And that's that's not like popular way to gain sponsors nowadays when you're on a television show is to be open about firearms or to be open about being okay with them. Or even even right. if you're going to talk about them in a safe way, it doesn't matter. You know, it's it's something that a lot of people in that are in the Hollywood scene or in television, they stay completely away from it. And you're kind of going right. the opposite direction. What made you get to that point where you were like, okay, I'm ready to come out and I'm ready to talk about this and my experiences with firearms? Um, I mean, I'm just, I've always been really passionate about uh, female empowerment. And I definitely had a personal experience when I was in my young 20s where I actually had somebody pull a gun to my head and try to kidnap and rape me. And that was a moment where I definitely realized the power between life and death that a firearm has. And that's not something to be taken lightly. And it's, it's something that I respect deeply to this day and that everybody that ever deals with or interacts with a firearm should have that same attitude because the reality is that is the line between there is a line between life and death with that and it's a trigger pull did you have a firearm with you during that situation were you still carrying at that point no i was just out of college (laughs) i was actually just in college i was like brand new in college were you thinking about law enforcement at that time or 
Uh, at that time, not really. But honestly, the whole situation just, uh, it was crazy. I, I was really calm under pressure. I talked, my assailant didn't speak any English. He was from, he was spoke only Spanish. He wasn't legal from this country. And uh, he had crossed, crossed over in the border. So, cause he had a felony record in Mexico. And um, so he was here and I was trying to, I talked him out of it. Wow. <laughs> I just stayed calm and I looked at him and I was like, Hey, like, you know, I had a plan. Uh, it just surprised me. Well, it didn't surprise me cause I mean, my whole life up to that point had kind of led me in that direction. Like I've always been very calm under pressure and in, in situations where a lot of other people kind of crumble. And I didn't think that that was like a special skill. And then when this happened and I stayed calm under pressure and talked him out of, you know, kidnapping me and raping me. And uh, that was a moment where I really realized we caught the guy. I worked with law enforcement, caught him within seven minutes. And yeah, did the, went to court, testified. He was uh, deported and uh, who knows where he is now. He could probably be back here, but uh All I can do is what I can do in that situation, you know, and play my part. And for me, no, I didn't want to go through the court process because everybody knows that it's not the easiest. But if I could just, if I could use my story and my testimony to save one other woman, then it was worth it. And if I, I gave speeches at my colleges about um, street smarts to classes and gave my story and people just couldn't believe it. And I don't know, but for me, it's worth it sharing that testimony because I care so much about other people and I don't want that to happen to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're definitely all on the same page with you with that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, our, our, our goal is to hopefully never, and and everything that we do with Alexa, everything Emily does with Stommy Tactical is to hopefully never have to ever hear this type of story happening Again, I mean, the reality is we know the world that we live in. We understand the evils and that there are people that don't even have to have a motive. You didn't even know this guy. There was no apparent motive other than he was sick in the head. He was an evil person who Mm -hmm. was hell-bent on doing something terrible to somebody that was weaker than him and probably slower than him. And, you know, it's... This stuff happens and we can't talk about it enough, not to the point where we're just trying to say, you know, oh, woe is the world that we're living in, but really just to open people's eyes to what's around us and to help them be more situationally aware and know what their surroundings are and then encourage them as early as they can to arm themselves with something, some sort of tool to give them a fighting chance because the the fact of the matter is, is not everybody is going to be as calm as you were <laughs> under pressure. Exactly. Not everybody is going to be able to talk their assailant yeah. out of whatever it is they plan on doing to you. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I'm really glad that you've got this platform now and this mission to, mm-hmm. to go out and speak mm-hmm. about a new type of empowerment to women. Yeah. Cause well, we hear I mean, I, it, yeah. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. What were you going to say? Oh, I mean, it was, it was a lot more to that, but I don't want to fill up the whole podcast with the story, but basically like I had a game plan and I had like called my friends at the same time and then they came to the gate, but I had made a plan to run in a zigzag pattern yelling at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and because chances are he wasn't going to shoot me. Chances are, if he did shoot me, he probably wasn't going to hit me. And chances are, if he was going to hit me, he wasn't going to hit me fatally. Yeah. which was much better at that time. It was when Natalie Holloway had just been discovered being murdered. Mm-hmm. And it was like a shock to the whole country. It was literally like two days prior and my, your whole life flashes before your eyes. And I was just thinking like, there is no way in hell. Like I did not go through everything I went through in my life to be taken out by you. Like I will fight to the death. <laughs> and you just have to make that determination in mm-hmm. your heart that like, you're not going out. Yeah, and, right. like, that's the mentality you need to have in order to carry a firearm. You need to have that fight in you because you can't pull out a firearm in half, you know, oh no, if you're going to carry it, if you're going to make that decision, you need to commit a hundred percent. You need to practice with it. You need to train with it. It needs to be a reflex. You need to be able to do it when you can't, it's a muscle memory. You can't even right. think because under that pressure, you don't remember, like, I don't remember a lot of the things that I said. I do remember telling him like, Hey man, like you have a sister, you have a mom, like, would you want this to happen to to them? 
and he froze, you know, I remember that. And for a second, like I saw the humanity back in him, but he just continued. I resisted enough to not be carried because if he carried me, I knew that I would lose all my leverage to run away. And so mm-hmm. I like found the point, like I strategically thought about this. I made a point. I was like, I'm not letting my feet hit the asphalt because I was on a long driveway, cement driveway. And it's just being able to slow things down and critically think in these situations. But if that's not how you are, um, definitely, I'm, regardless of if that's how you are or not, carrying a firearm is empowering. And I think it's something that unfortunately nowadays women, more and more women should should be doing. Well, and, you know, we, we talk a lot about situational awareness on this show too. Um, what leading up to him being able to kidnap, grab, whatever, did you see any warning signs? Did you oh, see anything yeah. that, so walk us through kind of, if, if you don't mind, just telling people yeah, kind no. of what you saw and what happened and how you were, even though you were situationally aware, something still happened. Right. Yes. So, uh, I had just parked to go to my friend's house and there was, I was parked on the right hand side of the street and a car, as I was getting out of my car, we were going out that night. So I was wearing like jean shorts and I wear shorts that are not like super short, like leave something to mystery. (laughs) 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 Um, and then like a crop top or not a crop top, sorry. It's called a Oh, a tube top, like without the straps, you know, yeah. but it was like a loose, slowy tube top and then like cowboy boots. So I looked like I was going, we were going to like country bar that night, you know, I looked like that and I was getting out of my car and a car pulled up next to me as I was getting out and it stops. It was this little burgundy sedan and the guy in there says, get a tecate, which is, he said, do you want this beer? Which was the tecate beer. He said it in Spanish. I'll just say it in English. He said, do you want a beer? <laughs> and I said, and I was like, I was like, well, that's weird, you know? And I was like, uh, no, thank you. You know? And I like, I was like, no, thank you. And I was all polite. And I got out of my car because you think being a young female and in LA, this was where I lived in at that time. Like you, you get, you get hit on a lot by, you get catcalled. I mean, it's just like, it's common. And it, it, it I didn't think anything of it, you know? that happens, things like that happen. And then they just drive away and they move on and they're like, okay, next time, you know, next person. But no, I, uh, I started walking up to my friend's driveway. She lived in an apartment complex with a locked gate. And I was like, wow, that's weird. I looked back and I was like, the car's still there. Cause I didn't hear it drive away. And then all of a sudden I see the car turn off in the middle of the street right next to, yeah. And I was like, oh shit. Sorry. I'm not supposed to curse, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> That was, a, that was definitely an O-S-H-I-T moment, okay? I don't curse a lot, but that was like, whoo, that's bad. So um, I was like, that is not good. And I immediately, uh, I looked down, got my, I was like, what can I do? I'm on a dark street with barely any street lights. There's, it's like probably maybe like 100 yards to the main street of a run. I mean, it's far. And there is literally nobody. And it was only 11 o'clock at night. It wasn't even like three in the morning. It was like 11 PM, like, you know, not a soul in sight. And so I immediately grabbed out my phone because I was, I had already walked up a long driveway to a dead end. And he, as I watched him get out of the car and start walking towards me and it was a straight. So his body language is very direct. You know, he was, it was a beeline. He was very clear. Like I was his target, his, feet were facing towards me like all I used to watch those um I don't remember what it was but some kind of like what would you do show when I was a kid Mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about yeah it talked about like body language yeah like so but and but besides that like we're we know body language we've humans have been around for thousands and thousands of years it's something intuitive in you if you get that feeling on the back of your neck or the hair on the back of your neck goes up trust your intuition. Don't talk yourself out of it because you are picking up on something that you might not even be able to articulate, but there's something there that isn't right. So trust your gut. That's like the best advice I could ever give to anybody. So I, I pulled out my cell phone and I immediately called my friends like, Hey, I need you guys to come to the gate. There's this guy walking towards me and they were like half paying attention, you know, like a bunch of girls getting ready for right. going out. They're like, oh, haha, just, you know, one second. And I'm like, no, 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 seriously, like come to the gate. There's a guy. <laughs> and he had been walking up to me straight that whole time. 
And like I told you, my memory, your memory does get, you are in fight or flight. You do forget certain things. But what I remember is uh, he came up to me and he was like, Por, uh, Por que no quieres tecate? So why don't you want the beer? Why don't you want the beer? And I was like, uh, I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you. And I was trying to be nice, as nice as I could to try because I was like, something bad is going to happen. I mean, he was, he was standing way too close to me and I kept backing up and like, he was squared off to me completely, you know, and I just, I remember him saying, why don't you want the beer? And I said, no, thank you. He turned and I saw the end of the gun sticking out of his back pocket. And then my face kind of looks like yours right now, Amy. Like yeah. I, you don't realize it, but I, I froze and my face must have done something because he was like, he saw me see the gun and everything changed. It got a whole lot real, more real at that point. You know, it's not just like kick him in the balls and run. It's like, mm -mm. Ooh, a whole nother element that you're dealing with, you know, um, that takes it up to a whole nother level. And he's like, no, really. He's like, come with me. And he takes my purse from me, takes my phone from me. And I don't remember saying this, but both of my friends told me that I said this and told that I said this. And I apparently when he was taking the phone away from my mouth, I, I said he has a gun and they heard it. But I don't remember saying that because that was this that was the shock moment. You know what I mean? But he put his I remember he put his lip, his finger to my lips and he and he goes like some scope killer. And I was like, is this real? Because there's a point, there's, the shock of it is definitely a real thing. And it's like, and that is something unique to each individual. How long it takes you to come back from that moment of shock is based off of so many things, whether it's genetics and like the way that you are as a human, like, I don't know how to predict that. But all I know is like in that moment when he did that, I was like, this cannot be real. And then your brain will click and you will snap around and just like, you have to trust that it's going to happen. But the way that you can make that happen faster is by preparing and thinking of things like this happening before. Um, so when you do that, you're, you're preparing your mind in order to be ready for when circumstances like this do happen, what you're going to do. And it makes your reaction that much quicker. Uh, so that's because I had done that, I think, and I don't know, maybe just person, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Blessed for sure. Yeah. But um, you know, I'll never, I'll never know why, but I just, I was like, okay, game plan. And I was like, my feet are not hitting the asphalt. I made a plan. I was like, I did not go through everything I went through in my life to for sure get raped and most likely murdered by this guy, you know? Uh-uh, it's not happening. And because there was a moment where he was like pulling me and my whole life flashed before my eyes. It really does happen in like, it. I don't even know how long it was. It felt like forever, but it was probably only like, <laughs> maybe like, 10 seconds tops and your whole life flashes before your eyes. It's the most crazy thing ever. And I just thought of everything and all the things that I had gotten to done that I was grateful for and all the things that I hadn't gotten to done, gotten to do. Sorry. My grammar is awesome. <laughs> 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 and <laughs> and uh, I, that's, like I said, that's when I made that determination. I was like, I am not going out. Like if I, if I die tonight, it's going to be, he's going to have the fight of his life that's for sure. Like what's going to happen? <laughs> like I am not an easy target. And that's another thing that these predators, which I've given speeches on about, they, they pick targets that tend to be easy. So they'll pick victims that are looking at their phone that aren't super aware that are like not walking confidently. Even if you don't feel confident, walk with your head up, walk with your shoulders back, walk with some swag to your step. Like Great look tips. like you will mess with somebody who messes with you? Because the reality is like, if they're going to pick a target, it's not going to be you. They're going to pick the person that's over there with their face in their cell phone, not even checking that there's a guy hiding behind the pillar in the parking garage, which is like a super common place of horribleness. Mm. <laughs> you know, parking garages are like horrible, but, I mean, but that's what criminals um, want. They, they want, they want that easy target. They want the yeah. least amount of hassle as possible. Right. Right. This guy must have had way too many Tecates because he picked <laughs> he was the very wrong, <laughs> wrong freaking yes, he did. victim, a potential he victim did. here, you know? He did. I just remember like, so right when I got to the sidewalk, uh, the edge of the sidewalk, I said my prayers. I was like, all right, God, like we're doing this. Here we go. Like, 
I literally gave it all up to God and was like, here I go. <laughs> this is, this is the moment I, I trust you and I'm just doing it. And, um, I started to pull away from him and I heard like, click, 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 click. And all my friends who are like three gorgeous women ran up to the gate and looking amazing and, you know, all dressed out and decked out in heels and whatnot. And I was like, Oh gosh, like, this is awesome. He's going to love this situation right now. Like, with <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's do all, let's have all four of them. And like, you know, so oh, I looked man. at them and I, I'm pretty like lighthearted naturally of a person. And so I, I don't really get serious unless I have to, because I don't need to bring it out unless I have to, you know what I mean? So like, I looked at them and I was like, stop. And I was like, not even playing, you know? And they just, I, I'll never forget their faces. It's like comical now, but they just like, they look like Victoria's Secret models and they just like froze at the gate, <laughs> like frozen, like little puppets and um, like not moving, not blinking, not breathing. And I look at him and I, and cause they saw the gun to my head. And then, so they were like freaked out, you know? And I looked at him and I said, Hey, I was like, just give me my purse back. Just give me my phone back. Cause he had taken both. And I said, and I'll pretend this never happened and I won't call the cops and we'll just pretend like this never happened. And I just like, and he just looked at me and for like maybe like three seconds of the longest seconds of my life. And he took the gun from my head. He handed back my purse. He handed back my cell phone. And he said, okay. And I ran to the gate. My friends let me in. We called the cops. Within seven minutes, they had caught him. And I ID'd him. And it was definitely him. He had the handgun on him. He still had the, the beer, the Tecate beer, like everything that I had said. It was perfect. And uh, he was arrested and sent to two years prison and then deportation. I went in and testified, gave my victim statement. It, that process was a blur because it was, it was scary to go in there and read your, your victim impact statement. I was like, yeah. I like barely turned 20, you know. <laughs> but now it's like, it's, it was so worth it. Like I said, if, I, if, if it can get somebody like that out of our country. <laughs> wow. He doesn't belong here. Man, I mean, well, belong here or not, I mean, we have people in this country that do that kind of stuff too, you know, oh, which yeah, is, the, it's just crazy to me. And I think the thing that always strikes me so heavily is like, that guy didn't know you. This was a random act. And I can't stress that enough to people because yes, you do hear, I mean, especially in your line of work, you know, things happen all the time with domestic violence situations and yeah. you see family on family violence a lot, but then there's this whole other side of evil that happens at random and there yeah. is no way to predict it. And there is no way to say, oh, well, this isn't going to happen to me. The right. only thing right. that we can do is be prepared and be exactly. ready to take responsibility for our own selves. I can't believe that cops got there in seven minutes being in Los Angeles. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, the average, the average time, um, I want to, I thought it was like hours last time I checked <laughs> in Los Angeles. So God was looking over you at that point because <laughs> that doesn't what? happen in LA. I know it's, it's amazing. Honestly, it's, <laughs> It was super blessed. Like I, I can't even believe it, but that was a big experience that made me even want to go into this field because, you know, the law enforcement officer that I dealt with, he was like the way that you react, he's never heard a victim like at gunpoint react, like how it reacted and he couldn't believe it. And he's like, I didn't realize that that was something that is it rare more so, mm -hmm. you know, um, to be that calm under like that kind of pressure. And so that's when I started really thinking about, you know, obviously I was passionate about protecting people, protecting uh, other women. And, but that's when I really started like being like, you know what, I had been interested in it before, but I was like, yeah, I also thought there was a certain type of woman that had to be in law enforcement and I didn't fit that type. <laughs> I'm definitely kind of like, I don't know. How, I don't really know how to describe myself, but you guys know. Do you mean I'm you're not, you're now. not your average gun girl? Right to that, Amy. Yeah, I don't know how you, yes, I, I guess so. Amy, you nailed it. I just, I, you know, I, I'm like a tomboy at heart, but I look like, like a girly girl, I guess you could say, I don't know, but I, I don't talk like a guy and I don't like, 
You know, I just thought that you had to be a certain type of way. And I was like, oh, I can be in this and just be me. <laughs> you know, like yep. I can just be me. That's great. You know, yep. I'll be me. <laughs> well, you're not alone in that. That that's why we created this podcast. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> For a lot of luck. a lot of women that don't feel like when they, especially when they were trying to enter into a space where maybe firearms were involved, whether it's military, law enforcement, just the concealed carry life, hunting, you know, a lot of women think you had to fit a certain mold or be a certain way in order to do that. And we're really trying to highlight and showcase that that's not the case. Right. There, you really can just be yourself. And the, the firearm, the Second Amendment can seamlessly fit into your life as an empowering tool, however you see fit. And, you know, so what are you doing nowadays? I know you said that empowering women is a really big mission of yours. So what are you doing to, to empower women? Uh, well, let's see. So it's whether it's like responding to calls and speaking into them, taking that extra like second to just say like, you know, speak a little bit of <laughs> truth into their life, yeah. you know, just be that one person that believes in them. Not just women, like I said, but I'm, I'm passionate about it, obviously, because I am a woman. I do it to both men and women. Uh, but you know, just sometimes you never know, like if they've never had anybody believe in them and maybe one person saying, Hey, I know you can get through this. I know you can get over that. You know, I know you can get past this. Like, I mean, you still have to do your job. You still have to take, you know, enforcement action, but it doesn't mean you can't do it with respect and with, with empathy. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, that's okay. I was going to say my, my other, uh, I have a friend that actually started a nonprofit for women uh, victims of human trafficking and it's called grace G period R period a period C period E period. <laughs> and uh, she, it's the first nonprofit in San Diego for a safe house for uh, underage girl victims of human trafficking. So if you want to ever check that out. So I'm, nice. I'm passionate about helping her with that because uh, it's something that's pretty close to my heart. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and with San Diego being so close to the border, I mean, we know that human trafficking is a serious issue and one that a lot of human trafficking like victim advocates are really starting to stand up and speak out of, against when we're actually yes. saying we do need protection on the border for this, like actually to protect women and children because it's the number one way that they're being trafficked is getting across the border. And nobody seems to want to speak up for them. Nobody wants to speak for these people who, um, you know, can't help themselves right now. And so, yeah, that's a big, big issue, especially down there in San Diego and even in Texas. You know, I'm I'm not close to a border state. I'm up in Dallas, but Texas, it's a big, it's a big human trafficking. Um, there's a big highway here that it's happening a lot. And so, right. yeah, definitely. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing I'm is that it's actually not as common. I mean, it's so much more common in our own country with our own people than we think, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the sad part because I did think of it when I started learning about it as border crimes, but it's so much more than that. Like yeah. our people yeah. are, I mean, are they just going up to random people and grabbing them and taking them and putting them, I mean, and trafficking them? It's, it's most commonly, um, like an older guy who's trying to be the boyfriend of a younger female and they're like 14 years old and they get them into, they get them addicted. They have them start smoking marijuana and then they lace the marijuana with heroin, the blunt with heroin. And then they get addicted to drugs and then one thing leads to another and then they're addicted to heroin. So they're doing whatever they can to get that fixed because they're physiologically addicted to this drug now. And it's this slippery slope or pills or opioids was like the most, the biggest ec- epidemic. And I know you guys <laughs> probably know that, mm. you know, it's right. so sad, but it's, it's crazy. And it's, it's, it's your sisters. It's your, it's your cousins. It's your people. You would never think that are in these situations that you wouldn't have no clue. And then, they turn around and they manipulate and they take everything away. They kidnap them. Essentially it's, it's insane. But it's the evil people who are just preying on, you know, innocent, Mm -hmm. innocent kids and women and, and really anybody. And it's, those are the people that, I mean, and that's all, you know, part of the, that criminal mind and, and that, you know, random randomness of, 
No one can predict. No one can say this is safe. Like that, that we all have to be living and accept like the reality that we live in. Yeah. No, it, you're totally right. Like that's why she did that. Her thing, her motto is girls rising above. <laughs> girls rising above human trafficking. Girls rising above uh, exploitation. But that's on another note. That's why I, uh, you know, getting into law enforcement was such a big I just remember when I used to see guns after that incident, I used to, my brothers would like pull out like toy guns, like right after, fresh after that incident, way before I was a cop. And I would have like a physiological reaction to seeing guns. And after, you know, it was like a mindset that I had to change. And once I respected it and respected it for like, it is the difference between life and death, but, um, once I respected that and saw how it could really bring so much good to like establishing a new country or <laughs> um, protecting ourselves from active shooters or things like that, you know, there, unfortunately the reality is guns are here. And so, I mean, we can't just go into people's homes because constitutionally that's, you can't just do that and take everyone's guns. So you guns, we have to, we have to have to protect ourselves. Right. But it was something that like was a mindset change for me to be able to realize like, how empowering it is to be able to protect yourself and other people with something that you respect greatly mm-hmm. because you've been on both sides of it. I know the power that a gun has and, you know, I understand like the finiteness, <laughs> the infiniteness of a bullet, but I mean, it's, I think that uh, I wouldn't trade my experience for anything because it gave me such a deep respect and reverence for the amount of power that you carry on your hip every day, yeah. every shift. So, wow. but I just, I, I, I'm big on teaching. Like I've a lot of my friends that have never shot guns that are scared of it. Um, I take them to go, I teach them how to shoot. And I'm really, I'm really passionate about that too. Teaching women how to shoot because I think that a lot of women that I've taught are very scared of guns. And they've said that like, I'm very scared. I have panic attacks. I have this. And, a lot of times they've been victims of similar type violent crimes. And when I say victims, I actually mean survivors because that's the other mentality shift you got to do. You're a survivor, not a victim. Sure. Um, but, and I, by training them that they are empowered. It's this crazy shift that happens when they realize like, it's like they're in control. The gun doesn't have control. You have control over the firearm at mm-hmm. all times. And once you make that mental shift, you just realize like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're not a victim, you're a survivor. Now in, in the city and the state that you're in, uh, we won't mention where you're at, but where, where you serve, do you, are you allowed to carry off duty or do you have to go through the whole concealed carry process where you live before you can actually carry off duty? Do you mean me or other? Yeah, like personally. Uh-huh. Like when you're in law enforcement, I know you can carry on duty, but what about personally when oh, yeah. you're off duty? We can carry off duty. Do you have to go through the same steps and get a license? Okay. All right. I didn't no, notice that. Just no. being law enforcement basically gives you that that right to- Yeah. I, I knew some states allowed that and then some some will not allow you to do that. Right. You know? <laughs> and you know what? I could totally understand you being like California would not be one of the ones. I don't know why it allows, but I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it automatically allows um, law enforcement full sworn- Cause we train for six months, you know, with the firearms and stuff. So we get to carry, it's your option. You don't have to, but, uh, I mean, I, I always choose to everywhere. Sure. What is, what is your carry gun? What's your off duty gun? <laughs> uh, well, I like the, I like Glock cause that's what we carry. So I'm used to it. It's, you know, familiar to me and, um, either the Glock, I like the Glock 43, yeah, which is a single stack nine mil. And it's skinny, it's small, it fits really slim profile to smaller women's bodies, which is mm-hmm. why it's pretty much like the only gu- the only gun I can carry that's a nine mil. It's the smallest nine mil that you can carry, basically. And you Otherwise, can carry it because you're law enforcement. Because right. normal people don't get to carry Glock 43s <laughs> in California. Right. Yeah. You're so right. lucky, um, lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I think you can... I know that it's a blue label edition, but I'm pretty sure you are allowed to 
I don't know. I'd have to check on that. <laughs> they have so many I, weird I would, laws. Would if it's gun, yeah, I would check with your gun dealer. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm not laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, ab- but yeah, absolutely. That, that one's a good one, though. That one's definitely a good one. Yeah. That's that's one of my everyday carries. I I love that gun. It's um, I did some aftermarket work to it, so I like this. I have oh. some night sights on it, so I actually like it for certain situations. It's a little heavy for me to go running with. I don't like yeah. running with it. I like to run with something that's a little bit smaller, but. I do like the 43 if it's nicely in my hand. So, right. and you have a 43, Emily, right? Yeah. yeah. Mine yeah. is uh, all stock still. So I haven't, you know. <laughs> See, it's the, it's the official like ladies gun because it's so little. <laughs> it's just a great, it's an easy, it's easy to carry. You know, with women, we, we face a lot of challenges when it comes to concealed carry because our bodies, our shapes, our sizes are so different. The clothes that we wear are so different than men's clothes. And so yeah. a lot of times when you get these big bulky guns with, long grips and long barrels. It's where are we going to put that? We don't have a lot of space to yeah, hide a big bulky gun. So the, I've, the, I've found some pretty good holsters though. Some pretty good concealed carries that I'm like, I'm pretty proud of. So <laughs> what, what are you carrying? What do you like? Um, there's this brand called Flashbang Holsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Yeah, definitely heard of it. Yeah. Never okay. tried it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I, I actually, I mean, I, I, I'm just a, I have a video that I just shot yesterday where I did a backflip in this holster and then shot the gun. I mean, it sticks that well. It's wow. pretty amazing. And I was like, I will not carry a gun in any holster that I can't do a backflip in. And it doesn't gotcha. stay in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we so, were laughing. Derek told me that because he was like, you need to put a retention strap on your pants. And I was like, no, all of my, all of my ladies don't want retention straps. And he goes, well, Emmy can't do a backflip. And I was like, <laughs> no, you're right. You definitely True. don't want to do a backflip in your Alexo pants unless you have your Kydex holster like clicked into place, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah. No, but this one, they the flashbang holsters, they have like um so they have a bra one where it like clips between your between Yeah, your, I just didn't get but, it. Well, and then it it like it like hang it like goes the gun is like here and then the butt the the butt hangs down. Okay. Of the gun, you know? Like, yeah. so the, the barrel and the body of the gun is like in your bra and then the butt is the only thing that hangs down. Yeah. I've seen oh my God. That would be bigger than my boobs. Like that's well, what you would is, see is the, is the gun. But that's the crazy thing. Cause even with like, I think you definitely, you, you have to have bees probably, but I, even, even with bees, even yeah, with bees, I, I can hide it. You guys, even with bees, I could hide it. I, I kid you not. And that was impressive. But yes, for that one, the bigger you are, yeah, the, yeah, the, the better. The more endowed, well endowed you are, the better you're going to yeah. conceal this. Yeah, that's why I've just yeah. never given it a shot. Uh, no pun intended, but, then, but I've just never yeah. given it a try. Yeah. The other one I do is the front, and then I like the lower back because it it curves with women's bodies. I feel like mm-hmm. the lower back one is the the easiest to hide because the way the gun curves with our bodies. I total, I totally agree. That's where I used to always carry till I got super comfortable carrying appendix, and now. I, even though I like how it hides better in the curve of my yeah. back, it's yeah. like, I'm just so used now to carrying it in the front and, and drawing from that position yeah. now that yeah, it's hard to go. It's uh, really I'm, hard to go back. I'm you know? starting to play with like that, like kidney carry area. I mean, I didn't, I yeah. hated it at first and went to appendix and that's really how I carry now. But you know, now and again, I'm playing around with, um, that kind of like small of back. Yeah. Well, that's why yeah. we, that's why I'm, for certain, for certain like outfits and stuff like that. Yeah. But still not my, it's, it's not going to be my go-to. Well, that's right. why we made our pants so high-waisted because I thought about that. I was like, look, and we put our, the kidney holsters in the right, in that position right at the curve of your oh, back. Oh, you know what? You're right. Uh-huh. Because a I lot of the, that. think about where your shirts are, where your yeah. shirts are going to get a little baggier is right there. You see, so you had that little extra amount of space where it's not yeah. going to be as tight and it's not going to print. And yeah. so it's a little bit easier to conceal sometimes in that area, you know? Yeah. So no, I was super impressed with the way it fit really well. It concealed super well. Like I was like really happy with it. <laughs> you just can't do a backflip in it. <laughs> I can't yet, but I heard you guys are working on a point two version. So I would love to sample them out. Well, <laughs> yeah. <that> subject. <laughs> it's it's so funny, yeah, because we there there are definitely some things in the works. You know, m- most of the women that we cater to are very new to concealed carry, and they 
they don't like having to mess with retention straps, and, you know, and it's very difficult to make one legging that every single person is going to find completely useful in every single scenario in their life. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so yes, as we grow and expand, like we're looking at some other things that you can, that would accommodate that a little bit better. So right, I will let the you know. Thing I, the only thing I do have to say though, is like never holstering for pe- women that are concealed carrying is the most dangerous part. So if they could just remember to put it in the holster before you clip it onto you, that is like the number one cause of injury. And you don't want to shoot yourself in certain, <laughs> you don't want to shoot yourself period, but especially yeah. not like where you're carrying. <laughs> yeah. So, Very, um, and keep your finger off the trigger. <laughs> yes. Don't ever, ever, ever point the gun in a direction of something you do not want to shoot. Yeah. Number one. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep, keep your finger absolutely. off the trigger until you're ready to shoot all those things. But practice, practice, practice makes perfect because you have to be practice builds confidence. And the more confident you are, the more likely you're willing to actually step up and use it in the situation. Absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to see what your future holds for you. (laughs) Especially as you, I mean, you got to work with an amazing a uh, gun company here in the last week. And <laughs> I don't want to reveal anything until you're ready to reveal all that stuff. But I think you have a really bright future. If you want to do anything within this industry, just For with sure. your background and with your story, I think your story alone is very empowering. I'm so glad that our audience got to hear it. And I know that oh, they're going to have some you. really great takeaways from all this. And we would love to have you on the show anytime you want to come on because you've got a lot to oh, say about yeah. it. And we appreciate your time. <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you yeah, for having me. So, so grateful. You guys are where, where can everyone go follow you and when can we watch you on American Ninja Warrior? <laughs> um, so my Instagram is Emmy Explores. So it's E-M-M-I-E-X-P-L-O-R-E-S. I hope I spelled that right. <laughs> I think like I the normal that. way. Yes. Right. And then um, it's supposed to air in June, I believe, is what All they right. said. But I, we haven't gotten set dates yet. So I'll definitely post about it when it – I'll let you guys know. Yeah, for sure. Please do. Uh, we can watching, do a deep we'll watching. On. We'll be watching and cheering on. Oh, Absolutely. Guys. Yes, I can't <laughs> wait to watch it. It's going to be so fun. Well, thank you so much, Emmy, and thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Not Your Average Gun Girls. As always, you can follow um, Style Me Tactical on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can please go follow Not Your Average Gun Girls and you can follow Alexa Athletica or my personal account, The Amy Robbins, and get a hold of us at any of those locations. But we hope you guys have a great week and we will see you back here same time, same place. Yep. Thanks, guys. Bye. The Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast and its related companies, Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com, strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.